0: Hello fellow FI Europe listeners. Today I'm chatting with Joshua, a musician based in the UK. We talk about why there is this stereotype about musicians struggling with money, how musicians can take control of their finances and how Joshua kind of controls his money, and some great tips on any for any student musicians or anyone starting out. Enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast,
0: where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money.
1: This was your host, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias.
0: Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by Joshua. Joshua, thanks for joining me.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, Yeah, so I'm quite uh, excited to have you on. Uh, Joshua is a listener of the FI Europe podcast, and he also has his own podcast and YouTube channel all about uh, personal finance management and FI, so this should be a pretty interesting topic. But before we dive in, could you tell our listeners a bit who you are and what it is that you do?
1: Sure. So my name is Joshua Owen Mills. By profession, I am a a classical musician, an opera singer, which um, I guess is, is fairly unusual. Uh, there are some other, you know, uh, FI musicians out there, but there's not many of us. So, so yeah, that's kind of what I do. Things are a little bit uh, different at the moment with with COVID, and that's, you know, that's thrown a lot of challenges my my way, but I'm sure we'll get into that a bit later on.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, this is the first time we have a musician on the podcast, so I'm very, like, yeah, this is this
1: That's is cool. cool. Yeah, it is. Cool. <laughs> it is.
0: Uh, and kind of what I wanted to talk about today is what it's like, you know, to manage your money as a musician, because, I mean, it does depend obviously on what you do. And I guess the term musician in itself is quite vague and generic because you could be, you know, you could be earning money in a lot of different ways. Like, as you say, you are an opera singer, singer but others could be, I don't know, uh, an instrument, play, playing an instrument, and maybe they're not part of a group. They're... F- you know alone, so I guess there's a lot of different ways of being a musician,
1: yeah, it's a very broad term, yeah, absolutely, and I think often we we kind of class class everyone together and they say, "Oh, you're a musician, so you fit under this umbrella well actually it's quite a broad church, and specifically in classical music, I mean I can only speak from from this standpoint, but there is a career pathway, somewhat of a career pathway in in classical music, there are possibilities although it's becoming less and less these days, to get an employed position where you do get your your salary and your pension and, and so forth. And in some of the other genres, that just doesn't really happen. So that's been quite interesting, discovering that myself. And I, I look back to my own time when I was beginning university and think actually how how naive I was. But sometimes actually naivety can be a good thing because it means that you kind of, you go in blind and and it leads you to places and things that you never expect to do. So it's been a very interesting journey so far.
0: Yep. And you are a freelancer or are you employed?
1: I'm a freelancer. Uh-huh. So I'm now based in the UK. I don't only work in the UK, I work a lot in Germany or actually worldwide, really. I lived in Germany for a couple of years and also in Austria. So, but uh, yeah, I'm back in the UK now and just kind of freelancing from here.
0: And how how do you promote your services as a freelancer, as a freelance opera singer?
1: So the way it works is that you normally work through an agency. So they network on your behalf, but of course you have your own responsibility. You know, if you go to school here, and you build up a network of people you get known in the profession and it's, it's yeah it's the classic kind of music world if someone knows you then they recommend you it's a little bit like that but there are lots of different layers but an agent is is or can be an important important part of of working and i mean one of the challenges of covid for for me actually was i i lost my my agents they they no really? longer exist uh which is uh, due to financial reasons, which I won't go into. But yeah, they <laughs> no longer exist. So that's obviously quite quite difficult because this this transition it's it's a huge transition for for everyone at the moment. Whether you're on furlough or things are uncertain. So for for musicians at the moment, there is a lot of uncertainty. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, and so, do you? Do you perform like as an opera singer? Do you, are you someone who performs or is it more cuz I can I obviously don't know much about the the area but I can imagine opera singers are also used for maybe music for for movies or for songs. Uh, so what yeah. kind of opera? I mean, mean
1: it's it's such a varied career. That's what I yeah. absolutely love about it. Nice. And no one day is the same. So when I say opera singer strictly what I mean is performing in operas as an opera singer. That's that's my go-to job. But there are lots of other things that I do as well, whether it's television work or radio or Mm. maybe singing at a street party or something like that. Who knows? Like every day is different. And that is one of the things that I absolutely love about the job. And uh, also my working mentality, you know, kind of to be a yes man, say, yeah, I can do that. That sounds fun. Let's go for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. And did you have to study a specific thing in university, or yeah? How did you discover that you wanted to be an opera singer? What what got you into it?
1: So I always loved music as a child. I was born in Wales. Wales, you know, it's it's known for singing. Singing is just part of the culture, part of the heritage. You you sing most days, and it's just absolutely normal. And I loved it. You know, I started singing lessons, choirs, amateur dramatics, and I just loved the feeling of being on the stage. So from those young years, there was this belief instilled within myself that that's what I was destined to do. That's what I wanted to do. But little did I know, and it's actually a very hard profession to to kind of get into. But like I said earlier on, that naivety can be sometimes a good thing because you don't, you don't think about all of the hardships or the troubles or the obstacles that are in your way, and you just kind of go for it and I was very lucky in that I had every step of the way, whether it was the transition from school to A levels, A levels to university, there was always someone there that was able to guide me and give really good sound advice and that was really key in discovering my my pathway. Now for musicians, there's two kind of degrees that you could do you can go to a standard university and do a, an academic music degree, or you can go to a conservatoire, which is a, a school specifically for performing arts and for performing music. And that's what I did. So I did, I mean, it was a long slog in university. I did eight years altogether. Wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I could be, could I be a doctor? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have turned out better for me, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, four years undergraduate. And that was a uh, music degree specializing in, in voice. And then I did two mm-hmm. years master's in opera studies and then a two wow. years post-diploma Yeah, music degree. A lot so, of commitment. A lot, yeah, I mean, it's a huge undertaking. But I absolutely loved my time in university and I wouldn't change anything at all.
0: For sure. And I guess it's such a long time that it really gives you enough time to to be 100% sure that this is what you want to do. Like, I bet you only people who really, really want to do it go through that entire eight years, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. V- very much so. That's also one of the problems in in the conservatoires, though, is that even at the undergraduate level, of course, it's a performing arts school. So you're, you're being taught there to become, you know, the next world-class musician. And sometimes these other skills that are required in life are kind of glossed over, that's a bit of a shame. And I think particularly in these times where things are so uncertain, people are finding themselves a little bit unstuck and thinking, well, what else can I do? So I think that that's gonna be one of the, the big things to reflect on from this time is, is it is it a good idea to put all of your eggs in one basket and focus on one thing, or is it better to do something a bit more broad uh the, the jury's out on that and i haven't entirely made up my mind
0: yet <laughs> yeah for sure and this leads on kind of to what i really wanted to talk about today which is how do you manage your money as a musician like most of us you know we were not taught how to manage money in university in schools and and a musician is, is exactly just like that there's also this stereotype that you told me about and that's is, you know, that people generally think that musicians are con- continuously struggling with money or are poor or are broke. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit why you think it's it's important, or obviously we know why it's important, but how you, <laughs> think, <laughs> how you think musicians can go about financial education and why is there maybe that stereotype about musicians in general?
1: Yes, I mean, one thing for sure is there are a lot of barriers in in the way when it comes to working as a musician, particularly as a classical musician, you have to have cash in the bank. You just have to. You have to have an emergency fund. You have to have that disposable income ready. Because you are your own business. So for example, I came back today from an audition. I was in Kassel in Germany, and all of those costs for the audition, so the flight. The accommodation, the transport to the airport, the meals—everything that I spent is I, I'm liable to pay, and no one else is going to pay for that cost, and that comes out of my my bank account. <laughs> and there's no guarantee of me getting that job. And I feel actually the last few days are really—they uh, they sum up this career quite well, in that I spent this about 200 bucks right to go and do this this audition. Which is pretty okay i mean that's that's a budget for like a you know a three night journey to germany it's fine and i I came back today and i had an email saying that my next contract which I'm due to do in october has been cancelled um due to covid restrictions so i mean that's a really big yeah it's a big blow and i mean that's a that's a huge loss of um of cash for me so the, the lesson is is that this so much so many things that are unpredictable, that you have to have a strategy. If you're going to make this work, you have to have a plan. <laughs> you just have to. And that side of things isn't discussed as much in the performing arts world as maybe it needs to be. And that's why I kind of thought, well, why not start this channel? No one feels comfortable. Musicians don't like talking about money. Why not start talking about it a little bit and, and talking about the difficult things, talking about the things that are going well, and yeah, you you're absolutely right in that there is the stereotype that you know all musicians are impoverished. And in some cases that is true. There are musicians that, you know, like they, they every gig is their you know, they're they're relying on that and they just work kind of gig to gig. But then there are some musicians that don't fall into that category. But I mean one one prime example of this was there was a Interesting article in the Telegraph from a musician talking about their experience from COVID and I mean huge loss of work and it's a very very unsettling situation. But the takeaway from this this point was that the, the gens writing the article was saying that there's no pension for musicians, there's no there's no support, no savings, and this perhaps this person perhaps is on a salary of I don't want to speculate, but I'm imagining seventy to a hundred thousand pounds a year. So I don't know. Sometimes I, I I get a bit frustrated by that because I think, well, actually, no, that that's a that's a good salary, and you could be paying into a pension, and you could be putting some money aside. So yeah, it, it's it's a fascinating one for me.
0: Yeah, very interesting. I think what I'm seeing here is that really the problem is that the minute you graduate. You're effectively managing a business, but no one, no one teaches you how to manage a business. Really, Absolutely. they don't. They probably don't teach you the admin side, managing agencies, paying into a pension, saving money for taxes. No one ever teaches you that. And maybe someone else will, you know, be hard. You know, a typical business degree will maybe be hard. Be an employee, and at least you know they've got a regular salary and someone to take care of their taxes and their pension if they're lucky. Uh, but in musicians' case you're just, you graduate and that's it. You've got to do everything yourself and you have no idea where to start. And maybe what's even worse is that you don't realize, once again, you mentioned naivete, like you don't even realize that you need to get all this figured out. And next thing you know, it's like 10, 20 years down the road and you're like, oops, (laughs) now what?
1: That's right. You hit the nail on the head 100%. And unfortunately, you know, folks do come out of, of college and they're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, just take each step at a time. And that's fine for a couple of years, but uh not having a plan uh, sometimes is, is, is not, not a great idea. And I was fortunate that I had people around me that kind of helped with, with those types of things and, you know, basic things as well, like learning how to negotiate. That's not taught in college either, you know, tax affairs not really talked about there's so many variables like and this is the interesting thing about the career as well when you start moving around oh man it gets complicated (laughs) so i had an experience of i wanted to buy a house at some i think a year year ago a year and a half ago i thought all right it's time to buy a house that's what i'd like to do and i had been living in europe um you know a couple of years prior and everything was 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 good you know the the amount of income showing would, would be favorable for the for the mortgage company I thought right everything's going well yes it's, it's the right time to do this and it just turned out to be so complicated because my tax affairs were in in euro and it turns out that you know that's that mortgage companies are not really interested in that so they kind of outright did, outright rejected me and then I needed to go back and speak to accountants and convert it into. St- and it costs hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So some, essentially, what I'm trying to say is something that's very simple and straightforward for someone in a nine to five job can become horrendously complicated for a self-employed person. But <laughs> we have so much freedom, yeah. And, and and you know, it's it's a luxury to have this this freedom. So it's it's a balancing act. And it's a balancing. Yeah, I, I can't ever imagine myself going to a nine-to-five job, ever.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's pretty much what you're describing. It's the same for self-employed freelancers, whether, I mean, not music, not just magicians, I guess, like anyone who's self-employed in general, so that's including me. Uh, I, I understand what you're talking about completely. Uh, and usually yep. in the UK, they want three years of um, history, uh, address yep. history. Uh, so if you haven't lived here for three years, well, hmm, tough luck. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, also, I mean, I'm also resident, not resident, sorry, uh, citizen of another country. So that can also complicate things if I want to move abroad. Um, like tax stuff in general, is just yeah, it's a horrendous it's headache. Hard, which is yeah. why it, it really helps to have a good accountant and oh, and yeah, just be key. educated, right? Like read the books, do the research. Listen to the podcasts, um, like Fi Europe, you know. Uh. Uh, yeah, of course, of course.
1: Yeah, absolutely key. Getting a good accountant. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. that that I had, uh, I had an accountant that, that I felt was good, and it it would have been a very simple step for for this accountant to tell me, right, you're going to Germany. If you want to buy a house in the UK in a, in a few years' time, just uh, don't worry about double taxation. Just make sure you're declaring in both countries and and get on with it. But I didn't do that. And, it you know, I shot myself in the foot by by not kind of seeking really good advice.
0: But hopefully with this knowledge that you've now gained, you can hopefully educate, maybe, I guess that's what you're trying to do with the art of saving money, uh, educate younger musicians so they don't make the same mistake, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And, And the art of money saving, you know, it's a platform in which you can... You can talk about anything you want on these, on these podcasts. And yeah, it's an opportunity to, to, to help people and to uh, hopefully, you know, you, when you talk about your mistakes, you give people an opportunity to, to listen, and then maybe they won't make the, the same mistakes as you do. Who
0: knows? Sure. So we mentioned a few, uh, like of the issues or, or maybe financial issues that musicians struggle with. What, what are a few others? So we've mentioned unstable income, you know, tax residency. Paying for things out of pocket, having a good accountant. What are a few other things you'd say that are essential when it comes to financial education as a musician?
1: It's you don't want to tar everyone with the same brush, but there is that that feeling that freelancers like to wing it a little bit. (laughs) So (laughs) one of the things that I I learned from someone a couple of years ago, and I, I like this thought, is that when you as a freelancer, when you get your paycheck, you have to realize that's not your own, so you have to pay your First of all, your tax, you have to withhold 20% of that for the tax. And there's all of the other responsibilities that come with that as well. So, you know, business costs, living costs, rent, whatever it is. But some, I am jealous sometimes of the of the nine to five, you know, your taxes deducted straight away and you get that regularity. And that was something that I had to learn. And I, I winged it in my early 20s. I winged it. And... I got. I don't know whether it was lucky or just kind of good, good, ha- good people around me, good advice. That instinctively I happened to save, but I could have been a lot more stringent than I was. But it, it did work out well in 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 the end. But oh, this is what I wanted to say actually. One of the interesting things I remember in one of your other podcasts, what you mentioned was your own vision of your. Of your life or what you hope for and you spoke about the the kind of corporate world and how you know when you when you're 30 you're not going to be doing what you are when you're when you're 40 or you're 50 and by your 40s and 50s you're arguably you know at the peak of your career and earning the earning the big bucks or bigger bucks than you you are when you're in your 20s but the weird thing about being a freelancer is it's not at all the same (laughs) so i've made some really really excellent steps forward in in my 20s and I don't know whether I'll be able to repeat that in my 30s or in my 40s and so it's very different to lots of the other fi podcasts that I listen to because there's so much emphasis put on getting out of your job as as quickly as you can to do what you love I already love what I do and I have since I graduated. So I don't want that to change. I just want to continue being able to do that and to make money from that. But whether or not I'll be able to continue to make money out of that, who knows? I mean, it's it's a free for all. And it comes back to also my my mentality is, is quite different, I think, from some of my uh, fellow FI pursuers in that, I like to think more about I, I know that I already have a, a portfolio in the bank or, or in, the, in the stocks and, and the stock market, and I'm just just ready to kind of let that grow and let that do its work. And in the meantime, if I don't add to that, then that's kind of OK. And if I'm able to retire at 55, I just kind of leave that portfolio do its work. So there is a difference in mentality there. Wow, that yeah. mm-hmm. COVID came along and it's kind of change things up a little bit
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's a very interesting perspective and you're completely right Uh, we don't really think of it in this way especially as an like as an opera singer until what age can you really continue is there a kind of an age where your voice is like "Mm -hmm, i'm done or (laughs) it it really depends
1: it Mm -hmm. depends on the person and depends on the voice type so each gender and each each gender has a variety of subcategories of voice types i mean in wow. opera there's lots of different types of voices but generally speaking women who play younger roles so you know some of the roles are you know 16 17 years old you're much less likely to work in those roles past 35 you know they they're always going to uh, uh, hire people that are that are younger that's just the way it goes but for basses for example people with very low voices Basses can work into their 80s or 90s just because the way the, the voice works, it doesn't matter so much. Whereas the the voice for someone that's supposed to be 15 or 16, it needs to sound youthful and that's the way they, they kind of cast it. So it's it's really variable and there's no hard or fast rules there.
0: True. And so what are you? I'm a tenor. Nice. So okay.
1: yeah, tenors, there are a lot of, lot of stereotypes when it comes to tenors. And one of them is, well, i got to say this on an FI podcast, is tenors earn the big bucks. Really? <laughs> they, they always get paid the most, apparently, yeah.
0: Good to know. Yeah, guess yeah. it helps you get to FI. Maybe, yeah. So going back onto this whole, not exactly that your career is going to be cut short. It's more that, as you said, you don't really know if you will be earning or, or getting to your peak at the age of 40 or 50. Do you think that because of this, musicians maybe should strive to reach FI as soon as possible, just so that they never have to rely on money when later on they don't have to worry about it? Or or how exactly do you feel? Well, yeah, you said it's a balancing act, but how exactly do you think musicians should approach the whole financial independence aspect?
1: I know lots of musicians that do lots of things, whether it's teaching or a bar job and, and lots of different things. And I think credit, credit to them, that's amazing. In, in the opera world, I can't help but feel that that is absolutely discouraged. That, and and that's, that's not the right attitude to have at all, because there is this attitude that anything that you do outside of what you've been trained to do, is seen as well that's not very good, is it? That's not that's not opera singing, that's not working with what you're trained at. And I I definitely fallen into that trap of thinking that way. And what I'm very thankful for from COVID, if there's anything to be thankful for, is that I've been really challenged by that. And I've been thinking, right, well, what are other things that I can do? Do I have any transferable skills? How can I make money? And you know, overnight my diary got canceled for like the next eight months or something. So I lost all of my income and I had to think, well, how, how am I going to make income in the time being? And I came up with lots of ideas. And the thing that I've learned is to actually to, to go for them, to pursue them, to see where it leads in a way that complements what I do as a musician. And that's, that's absolutely fine. More credit to you. And that's what I've definitely taken away from the um, FI community. Is this positivity that there's that it's good, good to use your skills, good to reach out, good to try something new and you know keep challenging yourself rather than trying to say, well, I only do this one thing, and that's that's what I do, and anything else other than that is is a failure. Well, no, like I've tried lots of things over the last three months, and some of them I could develop into you know, a bigger business model, whether or not I will, uh, who knows. But it's it's just interesting that that's something that's discouraged quite a lot in the profession.
0: Diversifying your income, right? At the end of the day, yeah. that's what
1: it is. That's right. Definitely.
0: Would, would you mind sharing a little bit of like some of these projects that maybe you've tried and tested over Definitely. the past few months? So I, I had to
1: sit down and I think, right, what, what can I do? What can I do that other people can't? What comes easily to me? And there were a number of things that I tried. Most successful things have been confidence and public speaking coaching. So, mainly working with clients that are either very shy or people working in a corporate setting that want to learn how to be more direct, more assertive in the way that they deal with colleagues or that they present information in front of colleagues. It's been super interesting. And of course, for me, you know, when you when you spend your life being on the stage, you tend to learn these things. And also, I, I used to be extremely shy myself. So I really enjoy speaking with these people that have kind of overcome something uh, and are trying to better themselves. Other things include accountability coaching. That's been a very interesting one. People not kind of being able to Work in COVID, you know, not not setting them, setting themselves goals and not being able to figure things out or stick to what they had planned. So yeah, helping people along the way, motivating them, thinking about how best to help them. That's been very interesting. And one very unusual one, it's probably my favorite. I mean, this is probably the most American idea ever. But I thought I went on Fiverr and I did a little bit of a search. And I thought, right, I can sing happy birthday for your, <laughs> for your special occasion. You know, it's been brilliant because thinking about you know, from a business perspective, the confidence coaching accountability is super, super interesting. And I love it. But it's very time dense. It takes a lot of your yeah. time. You know, you can pop out a happy birthday quite easily and you get paid much more. <laughs> So and then people really enjoy it. So I, I, I like that a lot. It's been really fun recording. Happy birthdays. I even had one <laughs> on my vacation a couple of weeks ago. And I said to my girlfriend, I said, I just got an order for a happy birthday. Do you mind if I do it? And it was twenty twenty five $25. I mean, wow. I, I'm okay with that.
0: <laughs> I love the, I love the creativity. Let's say, I mean, uh, that's exactly how I started too. I just went, you know, you go on Fiverr and you see the crazy stuff that people will buy uh, and you're like, well, I can offer a service like that. And, um, there you go. Definitely. definitely. So I like the mentality, the hustle, not the hustle, but like the creativity. you have to be creative. Yeah. Guess, you
1: got to put yourself out there to do, yeah. to do something right. And you know some of my colleagues, maybe they say well that's you know that's not the right thing to do are you are you devaluing your service Are you, you shouldn't be doing well no i mean i my my whole diary got wiped out. Why shouldn't I earn mm-hmm. money from from a side hustle? No, absolutely go for it I say
0: what are they doing instead then for
1: well yeah, that's a, I mean some people this is an interesting question for the musician profession, some people have maybe crawled into a hole and other people. I've really come up with these fantastic, innovative ideas. You know, some of my colleagues are new baking business, cookie business. There's one one woman that started her own YouTube channel, combining exercise classes for children and singing, for example. I mean, it's really niche, but absolutely fantastic. Really creative ideas. Great to see.
0: It's those that adapt that will thrive, right, at the end of the day?
1: That's right. 100%.
0: Great. So... I'd love to hear a bit about how you personally manage your finances as a freelancer musician. So when when exactly, I don't know how you typically manage it, but you probably, you know, receive your income and then you set aside some for savings. Would you mind telling us just like percentages, how much you're trying to maybe invest? You're probably, you probably you just told us you're also investing in the stock market, so yeah, just tell us a little bit. Maybe also your emergency fund. Tell us a little bit what your goals are, how you're managing your own personal finances.
1: Yes, so I, I percentages is is the key word there. I try my best to break everything down into percentages. So I have I use Starling Bank. I'm a big fan of Starling, and Fame. you can have all of these these pots and break everything down. It's fantastic, and I have a pot for just about anything, really. <laughs> and the the system that I used before that was much less efficient, but kind of kind of worked well. And like I said earlier on, I I have just saved a lot of money. I mean, I look back and I kind of realize, I think, how, how on earth did this happen? <laughs> and I think when you are when you're in your twenties and you're you're single. And you say, yeah, I can move there. I can do that contract. And you you be a yes man. Then things kind of go your way. And that's that's kind of what happened. But I I feel much more in control by the system that I have in place now. And that's really, really important. So emergency fund is there. What else do
0: I have? Um, I have. Sorry. How many months is your emergency fund? It's hard to say. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a pot for emergency funds, but I
1: think I, mean, I have a lot of cash outside that as well, which I think I'm going to need to call upon. Um, so part of me is thinking, well, is there going to be a you know a big market crash? Which I really thought there would be a bigger crash after not March but April time. And I thought, right, I'll hold that money, and you know if it crashes again, then I'll, I'll pop it in there um i did put some money i put a thousand pounds in on march 23rd which as of now was the lowest point in the market so i was quite pleased at that actually um <laughs> you know as always you kind of oh, i wish we put more in mm-hmm. but having the cash reserves is is a big thing but the bigger challenge at the, at the moment is figuring out what the next step is because the mm-hmm. uh, i mean the career path is This losing this contract, so I just found out today. That's a big one to lose, and if that's not going ahead, there's a lot more uncertainty. So then you have to think, well, how how much longer do I want to pursue something that's that's not going to keep me going financially? I mean, you can't do that forever. So in a way, I'm waiting for the profession to start back, but my more logical brain is saying, you know, go out there, hustle, create a business focus on other things so i'm somewhat bit indecisive about that but is that i mean i went on the rounds there does that answer your question well i mean
0: no i mean like more specific if you're comfortable with it obviously specific percentages like i put five percent towards investing three percent okay. towards emergency fund how is that how you do your is that your system yes, i would love to just hear that, what your system is like
1: system. i'm just gonna open my phone because that's okay because uh, <laughs> uh, then i can tell you all my percentages mm. so like- uh Christmas, electronics, (laughs) Um, investments at the moment is only 1.5% because of current circumstances. Car insurance, 2%. Health insurance, 1%. Um, I've got rent, career, biggest 20% I put away for expenses, 15% for retirement, 25% for tax and insurance. Yeah, insurance is a big one for me as well because I I have um, an insurance policy that I pay out every month. It's quite quite a lot, actually, but I I think for a freelancer it's quite important.
0: Is it a disability insurance or it's or is an it income insurance?
1: protection income protection insurance? Yeah, plan. that's what I mean.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so would that kick in with uh, uh, if, if I got COVID. if I got COVID? Yeah, yeah, it would. Yeah. Oh, I see. But it doesn't kick in if you get your contracts ended.
1: No, no, mm-hmm. there is no. Uh, there is no policy th- that exists sadly but i mean the fortunate thing about uh being uh, working in germany in that case is they they are well they they did uh on part of the part of the contract which was unexpected so they actually paid a proportion of the fee which i, I didn't expect at all because initially they just said it's 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 canceled it's over mm-hmm. and um that's kind of tough as well if you've is the the preparation that goes into preparing the role as well so you maybe you work with other colleagues preparing it mastering the language mastering the music all of that comes at your own expense and uh, then the contract gets cancelled so you're you're effectively out of pocket before you even start you know so that was um so it was nice to hear that theaters are are um, doing what they can to kind of chip in so that's that's really
0: good yeah for sure i like how you do a lot of different percentages on your starlink bank that's exactly the way i approach it also i put 30 percent away for rent five percent is for like fun stuff uh i'm i'm wanting to buy some airpods but i'm like okay i'm just gonna wait till the five percent accumulates and then i'll buy them um like that like that yeah exactly uh and then uh what else do i have oh yeah obviously savings which is I try like 30%. Uh, and then the middle, like the the one that where all the bills go out and everything, that's like the operating, like that just stays in there. But I also, I don't know if you've ever tried this, um, and it might be useful to any of our listeners, I hope so. <laughs> uh, but I recently read this book called Profit First, really interesting. And he explains that in your own business, so I also have a business account for Starling. I don't know if you do. No, I don't. What's okay. that like? It's just like your personal account, but it's I only put business expenses through there. So mm-hmm. I also have my business account, and obviously I get paid from all my clients and everything through the business account. And I've yeah. implemented the system that I read in the book, and it's fascinating. The minute I receive a deposit from a client, I put five percent to a, a sub account called profit. So I'm immediately making a profit uh, the minute I receive an income, and so it makes it makes me like laugh, you know, when all these companies that people say they're not sustainable, they're not making a profit. You can make a profit from day one. All you have to do is set aside some money immediately, and that's it. Um, that's so right. I thought it was a fascinating concept. I highly recommend the book. Uh, so I, I now, in if anyone's curious, in my business account, I put 5% to profit. I'm trying to remember now. 5% to profit, 25% taxes, 10% operating expenses, and 60% owner's compensation, which is pretty much what I pay myself. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then once I receive that in my own account, then... It, splits again so it's just like percentages are key as you just said uh and then every quarter i pay myself half of what's in the profit account so i'm essentially paying myself a bonus pretty cool (laughs) i like that feel quite corporate feel quite adult
1: right (laughs) absolutely but i mean there's there is so much power in in taking that responsibility and every time i get paid as soon as that comes in, I divide it all up and mm-hmm. it goes into the pot. And what's great about percentages, I mean, it's the same with any budget is, and I mean, COVID has been a great example of this, is, you know, my, my funds are going down because I'm not working as much. Mm-hmm. And when you when you see that in a particular part, you know, well, that's getting a bit, that's getting lower, that's getting a bit lower. <laughs> and, you know, if it's all in one part. In one, one, one space, you don't really feel mm. as informed. And so what I love about the percentages is, is you start to realize where you're at. Exactly. My Christmas fund, for example, it's got like 30 pounds in it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, Christmas might be a bit tight this year if I don't, you know, pull my finger mm. out and get, mm. get going. So I, I, I like that.
0: Yeah. I think percentages are so powerful and it also immediately like in the past if I wanted to buy something which is maybe a little larger like maybe a trip or something I'm like can I afford it I'm not very sure because as you just said everything is just in one space and rent is due soon some bills are due soon so I'm not really sure if I can afford it. I probably can but maybe not now with percentages just one glance you just look at it in one second you immediately know if you can afford it so it's incredibly powerful in yeah
1: that way. and particularly for me one of the, the- biggest mind-blowing things for that was was charitable giving you know always for, for me that was a real sense of struggle and i'm a, I'm a christian my, my faith is a big part of my life and that was something that always i struggled with you know this i knew that you know it, it's important to be generous but somehow i had this kind of all-consuming i got to keep all of my money to myself mentality mm-hmm. which i think some people in the in the FIRE community do fall into, you know, it's penny sure. pinching sure. stuff. Yes. And that for me is something that I've moved away from. And th- the great thing about percentages, you know, if, if there's money in that charity pot and there's someone in need or there's something I want to give to, then away it goes. And I love that, that freedom that, it, that I'm able, that's in the pot, that's what it's there for, it's doing its job. And it's, it's a reminder for me, you know, that doesn't make it easy, because sometimes it feels counterintuitive to me to to be that generous but once it's in the pot out it goes and 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 there it is and i mean i've I've learned so much from my my girlfriend from that because she's has such an outrageously generous spirit <laughs> yeah. and uh it's it's been amazing to to learn from her about how how generous she is really yeah wow
0: well, yeah well, honestly, we could talk about this for a long time, uh, but <laughs> let's um, wrap it up with our final questions. If people want to find out about you, learn more about you, where can they find you online?
1: So, my channel is called The Art of Money Saving, and you can find me on on Instagram at the Art of Money Saving. I'm also on on YouTube or theartofmoneysaving.com. dot com. Yeah, I, I mean that Perfect. that's pretty much much it. I think I'm almost everywhere
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice we'll, we'll add those in the show notes uh our second question is what is one resource not well known that you might recommend to others it could be a blog a podcast a book anything
1: you know i knew you were gonna ask because <laughs> i'm an avid listener yeah. and i o- i always look forward to this this segment in mm-hmm. the podcast like, well, what can i learn what what resource don't i know about and the fact that you say unknown makes it all the more difficult and interesting Uh, (laughs) yeah it does it does it does but there is a gentleman called ollie rosser who i did a podcast episode with myself on, on, on my podcast and i had a really fruitful conversation with him i met him because he did a review video on youtube of moneybox and I I loved his style. I loved what he had to say about money box. And he's also Welsh, so I reached out to him, and and we we did a podcast and we had a chat. And he's got some really fun- fantastic insights into into finances. And I was really encouraged by by what he has to say. And you know, I think that's the great thing about the FI community is when you meet more people around you that you know feel the same way and and are kind of on the same journey as you. You you know, it's it's good to surround yourself by
0: more people like that like-minded people yep that's right that's why we love the facebook groups and the meetups it's it's really to do that to meet people who, who have a similar mindset so great that's thank right. you for that we'll add it in the show notes we'll add his link in the show notes too and our last question which you probably are expecting also <laughs> what is your number one actionable tip for someone to get started on the path to fi and i'm gonna add as a musician.
1: Ooh. Get started, people. <laughs> I, had a, I had a lovely message from a good friend of mine who was a musician yesterday. And she said, you should do a video about whether musicians should start paying into a pension. I was like, whether? I mean, of course they should. Get started. <laughs> and I mean, it, it, that's always the thing that it's always, oh, I'll start next week. Mm-hmm. I'll do it then. And this is advice for myself right now with all of those side hustles idea uh, ideas you know get started be proactive and you know you can do you can do a lot when you when you get your head down and use your time productively that's another big thing that i learned from the accountability partnership for example that side hustle Mm. is using your time efficiently man that is that's a skill (laughs) and the more you can get that right the more you'll 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 benefit
0: nice. I like it. Great way to end the episode. Well, Joshua, it's been a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for your time.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. I love this podcast. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Hey Matthias, do you think there are not enough financial independence Facebook groups yet?
1: Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content.
0: Gotcha, and also we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups. The Fight Europe retreat obviously, we organized, and this is in the end the main reason why we started the whole podcast project—to talk to guys like you, I'll learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group?
1: Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review.